Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. Get ready for your life to be changed by today's message from Pastor Jeremiah Hosmer. Now remain standing for the reading of God's Word today. I want you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4 and then we're going to 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to continue uh, the series that I started last week, The Glory Returns. <laughs> and, uh, and I praise God. You know, because anytime you, anytime you, you, you're really doing something for God, you'll stir, you'll stir some demons up. You know, <laughs> and uh, I, I, we kicked a few around last Sunday, Amen. And but I ain't done kicking. Matter of fact, I wore my boots today, and uh, <laughs> just in case I got to kick a few more, Amen. And uh, but seriously, I, I thank God for that, and I, I want you to understand something, brothers and sisters, it, and I want to just give you this guarantee, this uh, commitment, this um, safety in this house, that I'm, there's going to be times I'm going to say stuff that's going to chap you, but I will never speak something that the Bible does not support. You can have that. And you can always take that to the bank and you can keep that. That I might, I might stir you up some, sometimes because I'm going to tell you right now, we have to be stirred up from time to time. There's some stuff that has to be confronted. And, uh, but, but I promise you that if I stand up behind this pulpit and preach it, it's because it teaches it in this word right here. Amen. And so, you know, and, and some people don't, some people might not want that. That's okay. I understand ALC ain't for everybody. But for those who are really going after God in the last days, this place right here is a place of safety for you. This place right here is your house right here. This place right here is going to empower you to see the glory return. Amen. To the church. And so I thank you so much for that. Thank you for your support. First Samuel chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 1. And the word of the Lord, or the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in, in the field. And when the people had come up into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they may bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the, in, into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does, this, what does the sound of the great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the Ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues of the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews, as they have been to you. 
Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated and every man fled to his, fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. Verse 11. Also, the ark of God was captured and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. The ark of God was captured. This is never, this had never happened. This, this, this wasn't like something that exchanged hands from years or decades. This had never happened. And it was a sign. It was a sign that the God of the ark and the people of God were not together. It was a sign that they were not together. And God, God said, you got to understand, this is not some kind of wishing lamp. You don't just bring me into the camp and shout and all of a sudden I show up. But if your lives are right with me, when you shout, I show up. <laughs> Let's go on. Second Samuel chapter six. So that's when the ark was taken. Now we're going over to when the ark was returned. Second Samuel chapter six, verse one. Praise the Lord. And again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people. <clears throat> who were with, uh, with him from Bel Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio <clears throat> went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments. On firwood and harps and stringed instruments and tambourines and, and cisterns and on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him, uh, struck him there for his error and he died there by the ark. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah and called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid that day and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that belongs to him belong uh, because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. So it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing the linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. Praise God. Let's stop there. We're going to pray. And ask for God's blessing on the reading and the preaching of his holy word today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to stand before your dear people. Lord, I thank you that you have given us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to obey today. 
I thank you today, God, that the preaching and the reading of the word, Lord, I thank you that it is fruitful, God. And I thank you, Father, that it is abounding fruit, God. It is manifesting fruit into the lives of your dear people. I pray today that the Spirit of the Lord would move mightily as I preach, God. And I ask today in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would open the eyes, the eyes of our understanding. May they be enlightened to know what is the hope of your calling today in the name of Jesus. And I pray today, God, that your presence would manifest. I pray today, God, that there would be such a rumbling in the spirits of your people, God, that they would want to be different, Lord, that they would not want to be like everybody else, but they would want to be different. They'd want to be separate, sanctified, set apart for your glory today. I pray, look upon my availability and not my ability, God. And I thank you that when I'm weak, your strength is made perfect in me, God. And so today, Lord, let your strength be made perfect in this house. In the name of Jesus, I decree and declare. You said decree a thing and it shall be established. I decree and declare the kingdom of God come and the will of God be done in the earth as it is in heaven today. And if you agree, shout amen and give the Lord a good praise today. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Now, I want to just take a few moments and uh, just real briefly uh, talk about what we talked about last week, I'm not spending much time with that. If you were not here last week, I, I want to please ask you to go watch uh, the, the sermon. It's on uh, Facebook, it's on our YouTube channel, and it's on our app. You can grab it, but I need you to grab that because I preached about the glory returning. Say amen. amen. The glory returning. And I talked about there's, a, there's one common belief throughout, or one common opinion, let me say that, throughout the body of Christ, and that is this. Everybody believes that we need revival. Everybody believes that we need reformation. Everybody believes that we need a move of God. Is there anybody in this house right now? Uh, there we go. Amen. Everybody believes, my God, we need the Lord to move. But the deal is, as I was telling, telling some of the pastors before we prayed back there in the green room, I told them, I said, won't don't get you anything. Won't can, won't can bring and an inspire a desire that can move you into action, but want by itself does not get you what you're looking for. If that was the case, then there would not be a need on this earth. Come on, somebody follow along with me now. There would not be a need on this earth, but want doesn't get you anything. And so what we must understand is that everybody's saying there needs to be revival. Everybody's saying there needs to be reformation. But there's some things that need to happen in the body of Christ before these things can, for the glory, will return back. Now there's houses, there are oases, if you will, kind of like this one, where God shows up every week, where the presence of God is here, the Spirit of God is here, the anointing of God is here, the glory of God is here. People get saved, people get delivered, people get set free, people get baptized in the Holy Ghost, but that is not just because we want it, that's because we fight for it, and we're willing to defend it, and we're willing to protect it. Come on, somebody. That's why That's why you're here. You know, you went to other places, but they dry, and I'm not talking about that. I'm trying to, I, what I'm releasing, thank you, Holy Ghost, what I am releasing is not a word to turn around and say I'm better than everybody, and this house is better than everybody. What I am releasing is a word that says it's time for all the church to get down on their knees, humble themselves, call out to God, and let the glory return back to the body of Christ. Oh, yeah. 
So that's what I'm talking about. And I told you last week, I said, for some of these things to happen, for this to happen, my first point was the how the church must sever its ties with the house of Eli. Who is the house of Eli? Eli was Eli was wicked and his sons were wicked. Now they, they they didn't care nothing about they didn't care nothing about the presence of God. They didn't care nothing about the glory of God. All they cared about was performing in front of the church. Their lives were all over the place. They lived how they wanted to live. They did what they wanted to do. They, they, they every, however, whatever they, whatever they wanted to do, they did it. And then they would stand up in front of the people of God at the house of God. They would wear priestly robes and they would put perform before the people. But their lives wasn't right with God. Therefore, when the ark showed up, the power of God wasn't going to show up. So they were defeated before their enemies and they died that day. The church must sever its ties with the house of Eli. Enough, and this is where I'm about to call some stuff out. Enough of this stuff where it's okay just because you're a pastor, an evangelist, an apostle, a teacher, or a prophet, a worship leader, or whatever. Enough of this stuff in the body of Christ saying just because you're called, you don't have to obey the word of God. The devil is a liar. And I'm telling you right now, that's why we got performance, but we have no presence. That's why God is not showing up in places. We got a lot of talent, but there ain't no triumph in the house. Because people have not consecrated themselves unto the Lord. And they talk about a God that they do not obey. Oh yeah. Hallelujah. They talk about a God they don't obey. They talk about a revival that they, that they can't have. Because God doesn't send his glory unless he can separate you. Hallelujah. And this is what's happening right now. And people act like it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal for a preacher to have five girlfriends on the side. It's not a big deal that that Joker stands up and and talks about the word of God and and, and pretty much does not care what is written in it and says whatever he wants to say. It does not. It is no big deal that a Joker gets up and says that if you support that, if you don't support abortion, then you ain't of God. Let me tell you something. I don't know what Bible you're reading. I'm going to keep pushing this thing. I know I'm pushing against devils. I got devils on every side of me. But it does not matter. God has called me to be a battering ram in this last day. And he's saying, somebody stand up with the anointing and the power of God and declare what I got to say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I don't know know what Bible they're reading. My Bible says defend the innocent. My Bible says don't do not do not shed innocent blood. Well, preacher, if you keep on with this, I'm going to have to go somewhere else. Well, listen, do this for me. I love you and I care about you. I don't want you to go nowhere else. But do this for me. If you do, when you go, tell them that you left because I preached the word. At least do that for me. Tell them, tell them he preaches the word. He believes the whole Bible. And I, I just ain't down with that. At least do that for me. Because I've done made up my mind, brothers and sisters. I know the giants that need to be taken out. I know the heads that need to be taken off. And until somebody stands up and says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of God? They won't never fall. But I believe there's a generation being raised up right here at ALC Ministries on the backside of the country in Locust Grove, Georgia. That's saying, give me a sling and a stone. You come at me, you come at me with a sword and a shield. But I come at you in the name of my God. In the name of Jesus, fall. 
So that I believe that's what's happening across this place. I believe that. Listen, that's why that's why you're being stirred up. And that's why some of you can I tell you something? I need to get to my notes, but y'all hold on one second. OK, some of you got a date with persecution. And it's coming. You're going to be persecuted because you because you attend this house. You're going to be persecuted because your apostle stands up and says stuff that nobody else will say. You're going to be persecuted because I will not back down. And you're going to be persecuted. I'm going to be called political. I'm going to be called racist. But let me tell you something. It ain't the last time. I mean, the first time and it won't be the last time. But I have made up in my spirit. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. And I'm coming after this generation. And I know what a freedom. I know what a God. I know what will bring them out of their captivity. I know what will break their chains. I know what will set them free. Woo! Let me get a good Ric Flair. Woo! I know what it is. And let me tell you something. Lord, I plan on getting up here having me a good little sermon day. Let if, if Mamby Pamby, lukewarm, noodleback preaching, got us the glory, we would already be in it. But I'm telling you, it, we're... Help me, dear Jesus. We're not. and But God is saying, I'm ready to return a glory back to the body of Christ. And I'm ready to do something that's going to make every eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what I'm about to do in these last days. And let me say something else and clear it up real quick. Yes, I do believe it is the last days. And yes, I am waiting on Jesus to come back. And yes, I am looking for Jesus to come back. Oh, clear that up. So this is, listen, brothers and sisters. I know this chaps, I know this chaps religious people, and I know it chaps some of you, because you ain't, you ain't hearing nobody preach like this. Hearing everybody say the same old stuff. Give you 17 and a half minutes of a, of a, uh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, you know, but it's, it's not what God is saying. And I don't know about you, but I read in my Bible and I took it to heart. He said, you watchmen. Where am I at? You stay right here. You watchmen. Those of you that I have put on the wall, when you see danger coming, you are to blow the trumpet in Zion and you're to sound the alarm on my holy mountain. And he says, if you see it and you don't do it, the blood of the people are going to be on your hands. But if you speak the truth and you announce what's coming and they still go the wrong way, your hands are clean. And I don't know about you, but the Bible says, who shall ascend until the hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. And I don't know about you, but I want to ascend into the hill of the Lord. So the church must sever its ties with the house of Eli. 
The house of Eli is basically, it's this spirit. It's the spirit that says it does not matter how you live. It does not matter what you do. It does not matter if you live in sin. It does not matter what you believe. Get up here and perform three songs for me. Get up here and perform three points in a poem for me and get me happy and let me go home and do what I want to do and live how I want to live and be how I want to be. But can I tell you that Eli didn't never get the glory. And Eli did not have the glory. He might have been the priest in the house, but he was a, he was bachelor and he did not know the Lord. And it's time for the church to sever its ties with the house of Eli. And when we sever our ties with the house of Eli, I'm not just talking about the body of Christ as a whole. I'm talking about us as individuals. When we sever our tie with the house of Eli and this spirit no longer has its way and that perversion no longer has its way and we get serious with God, I'm telling you the glory of the Lord shall fall back on the body of Christ and you're going to see it in your lifetime. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But now I want to go to what I'm teaching today. Number two, the church must sever its ties with the house of Saul. The house of Saul. This spirit says, I once had revival, but now I don't. However, if you don't do it my way, you don't have it. This is a spirit that says, I want the glory back, but I want the glory for getting the glory back. We're going to get there. Don't worry. We're going to touch some depths of religion today. I want the glory back. I want the revival back, but make sure my name's at the top. This is a spirit that says... Y'all stay with me now. Pick up, just look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be okay. The end's going to be better than the beginning. Stay with me now. <laughs> this is a spirit that says, I don't have enough faith to keep my church open. But I want you to close your door so you don't make me look bad. See, this has to be fixed. We act like it don't exist. I want the glory, do you? There's some giant's head that's got to roll first. This is a spirit that, watch, listen carefully. This is a spirit that does just enough to be legal in the presence of God, but not enough to attract the presence of God. This is a spirit that says in order for you to be recognized as a legit leader in the kingdom, you have to kiss the right hands. Run in the right circles. Carry the right Bibles. And if you don't, we we will not invite you to the right conferences. And you won't get to preach in the right churches. Therefore, we can continue to occupy all the places that that we can preach, that, uh, that we preach in so we can preach about revival, sing about revival, teach about revival while not having revival. I'm a... You need to understand something. I'm attacking a spirit. What I said last week, I'm attacking a spirit that's wanting to prevail over this region. That's wanting to prevail over people. That's wanting to lock down the churches. I'm attacking a spirit and pulling it down word by word. 
Somebody give the Lord praise if you believe it. What you must understand is that David's first attempt to bring the ark, to bring the glory back to Jerusalem, has the house uh, slash family of Saul all mixed in it. I don't know if you've ever known this, because see, the enemy, the enemy will want you to think that God just killed somebody for no reason. But you've got to stay with me. It has the house of Saul all mixed in it. He did not only have the house of Saul mixed in it, but it had Saul's ways mixed in it. And you can't bring God's glory with Saul's ways. Let me say it like this. Saul didn't mind getting a word from God. He didn't mind having instructions from God. He didn't mind taking orders from the man of God as long as he could do it his way. I, maybe, I'm going to go back here and preach for a little while. I don't know if I got nothing down here. I'm going to go back here and preach for a little while. He, he, he had no issue with Samuel telling him what the Lord said. He had no issue with the word of God. Saul just did, had, he had an issue with the ways of God. I want to do it my way. They got quiet in this Pentecostal church today. I want to do it my way. Right now, that's what, that's what much of the American church, that's why much of the American church is declining right now. Leaders in the kingdom know the word. They know what God wants for this generation. And many even have received a word from a man or woman of God, but they take that word and do it their way. Therefore, they have, there's many places of worship that have the word of God, but they've rejected the ways of God. And beloved, this is the difference between people who are religious and people who have a relationship. This is the difference between people who know him and people who are known by him. This is the difference between people who talk about revival and people who care revival it is a difference trust me and it is uh, it's then saying I know the word but I also know his ways the Bible says in the 103rd Psalm Israel knew the acts of God but no Moses knew the ways of God the Bible says in Exodus 33 but Moses tells God God if I find favor in your sight show me your way that I may know you the Bible says in Isaiah 55 for my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are your ways my ways for as heavens are higher than the earth so my ways are higher than your ways my thoughts are higher than your thoughts Saul didn't have a problem with the word of God he had a problem with the way of God and what I have found is that's where some of us are challenged and that's where much of the body of Christ is challenged the ways of God God send your glory okay I'm going to send my glory but this is how I'm going to send no God I want it my way Lord, we want the ark back in Jerusalem. Okay, well, this is how you bring. No, I'm going to put it on a new cart. And I'm going to pull it with some oxen. And I'm going to stick two religious leaders behind it. God said, I ain't stunned it and I am not behind it. <laughs> when, yeah, let me give you a little bit of history and then we're going we're gonna to pull this thing a circle. When the ark was released from the Philistines, it went to a place called Beth Shemesh. 
These guys, watch this, these guys messed up and did not treat the ark as holy. Uh, they, they, they didn't treat the presence of God as holy and many died from it because they said, let's look in it. And God said, you don't, you don't have no right to touch my stuff. Therefore, watch this. They called the Levites. Now look. So the ark was taken. It was taken. It went into the land of the Philistines. The land of the Philistines said, we can't do nothing with this holy God. And they sent it to the people of Beth Shemesh. The people of Beth Shemesh didn't know how to honor or revere the presence of God. Therefore, they sent it and they said, let's get rid of it and let's send it to the Levites. Stay with me. We're talking about the house of Saul. So they take the ark and bring it to the house of Abinadab. Without digging into the Bible, you would think this was a random act. But it's not a random act. Who is Abinadab? Abinadab is one of the sons of Saul. So watch this. So the ark leaves a religious system. The ark comes back right back into the same religious system. It goes right back to the house of Saul. So Abinadab... Abinadab and his two sons and their household have the, have the ark. Many theologians believe, I cannot back this up with the Bible, I always say that if I speak something like this. Many theologians believe that, that Abinadab did not put the ark in his house because he was scared of it, he stuck it in a field. Hence the reason why Obed-Edom was so blessed because he put it in his house. Because Obed-Edom said, I know how to honor him. I know how to host him up in this thing. I won't stick him out there. I won't put him in the, listen, I ain't going to put the tongue talkers in a room by themselves. Come on, somebody. I'm going to let the presence of God and the power of God fall for everybody to see. So, so Abinadab, then now it's 13 years later after the ark comes to Abinadab's house, and Abinadab dies with his dad on Mount Gilboa. Here's two sons, Abinadab's sons. They, they take the ark now. Guess what their names are? Uzzah and Ohio. So the man driving the cart is not some random man that stuck his hand out and was killed by God. It was a man that had treated the presence of God as common and as nothing. And so here David's wanting to bring the ark back He's wanting to bring the ark, the glory back to Jerusalem. But he doesn't realize he's not doing it the right way. It's coming through the path of a religious system that God just rescued it out of. And God said, no, you don't understand something, David. If you want the glory to come back, you can't do it through the religious system I just rescued it out of. you got to do it my way. So when Uzzah puts out his hand and to, to steady the ark, God kills him right there in the place. And what he's speaking to David is, David, if you want my glory, American church, if you want my glory, you got to do it my way. You, I don't care if you put it on a new car. I don't care if you got two new oxen. I didn't tell you to do it that way. You got to do it my way. So he puts his hand out to steady the ark. God strikes him. The devil will want you to think God's mean and this was a random act, but you don't understand. Uzzah, Uzzah has been, Uzzah's been neglecting the presence his whole life. Treating it common. Treating it as nothing. 
Stay with me. For 20 years, it stayed in the house of Abinadab. When I say the house of Abinadab, that means his household. It stayed with a religious system that loved the fact that they had the ark, but cared nothing about living in his presence. They loved the notoriety of having the ark, but cared nothing about ministering to his presence. They liked having the popularity of the ark in the house, but they didn't revere it nor honor it. They had grown familiar with it, and it was very common to them. Now watch this. David decides to bring this back. David decides to bring it back, but they're stuck in their own ways. You can't find one place in the Bible where God says if you to carry the ark, you put it on a cart. You can't find one place in the Bible where God says if you carry my ark, it's supposed to be pulled by oxen. What you must understand is God said, no, if you carry my ark, if you carry my present, it has to be on the back of the Levites. Why does it have to be on the back of the Levites? Because the Levites have consecrated themselves. Why is that so important? Because as they would walk with the ark, the grace and the power of God would empower them to carry his presence into the place. That's why we don't just hire anybody. I'm going to talk about something right now. That's why we don't hire professional musicians and singers up here. You want to know why? Because they ain't consecrated. They ain't Levites. And how are you going to minister to the Lord when you don't know the Lord? God empowers you to carry his presence. Woo. So when you carry the ark of the Lord, when you carry the presence of God, he says it's got to be on people that's unsanctified themselves. They don't set themselves apart. Wow, that way I can empower them to carry what they can't carry on their own. So he tells him, he said, you messed up when you put it on a cart. I don't care. I knew it is. How, where, check this out. Where did the idea of a cart come from? The Philistines. They were the first person to stick it on an ark. What does that have to do with us today? How many worldly ways are in the church? <laughs> We have learned, <laughs> we have learned all kinds of stuff from Hollywood. We've learned all kinds of stuff from the entertainment. We've learned all kinds of stuff and we bring it into the house of God and we think God's going to put his glory on it. And God said, no, I'll tell you how I'm going to put my glory. Go back to the book of Acts where 120 people were up in the upper room and they prayed and sought my face and power came from on high and they spoke with new tongues and they spilled out in the street and advanced my kingdom. He said, I'm going to give you a model. It has nothing to do with, it has nothing to do with two oxen and a new cart. Help me, help me, Holy Ghost. I got too much, I got a lot to, to bring out in. Are y'all still with me? Y'all are, are, look at your neighbor and say, if you're lost, just say, neighbor, help, help me now. But otherwise, don't say that. Amen. <laughs> See, many are desiring. This thing's about to get thick. It's about to get heavy. Y'all stay with me now. Many are desiring an outpouring from God. There are many in the body of Christ who truly desire revival. However, their desire for revival is not as strong as their desire for convenience. Did you hear what I said? Facebook land, YouTube land, app land, whoever. Their, their desire for revival and reformation is not as strong as their desire for convenience. 
So I ain't got time to come to a prayer meeting. I don't have time to come to a Wednesday night. I don't have time to do prayer and fasting. I don't even have time to stay the whole service. But I want the glory of God. The devil is a liar. You can't come up and just pull God's hand and get what you want out of him. You need to understand something, church. You got to get this. If the glory is going to return, the church has to kick its mistress convenience out of the bed and get married back to the lamb and the true king of kings. We got to kick that mistress convenience out of the bed. That's exactly what it is. Ah, Y'all give the Lord a, a hand clap for three seconds. Come on, one, two, three. That's what happened here on David's first attempt to bring the glory back to Jerusalem. The two grandsons of Saul convince him that it's more convenient this is a more convenient way to get the glory back. Don't bother, don't worry about the Levites. It takes too long for them to even sanctify themselves. Oh, don't worry about that. Yeah. Man, we, we need things done faster now. And, uh, and don't, worry, don't, don't worry about them carrying that. I, listen, I watched the Philistines do this, and this is what we need to do, and, and we'll, be able to, we'll be able to grow us a big crowd. And, We'll, we'll be able to have us a bunch of people. It don't matter. Just because you got a crowd don't mean you got a church. And Jesus said, I'll build a church, not a crowd. And he said, I'll build a church. He's, and they say, listen, David, we know what to do right here. This is what we do. We get this cart and we get these two new oxen. We get this new cart and, and we'll, pull, we'll pull this thing back in there. And it's a lot more convenient for us. No need to take time to walk the ark back to Jerusalem. We, we have a new way of doing this. Uh, so so they, they start pulling the ark back to Jerusalem. Now watch this. They have the best worship team you can get. They have all the best instruments money can buy. They have everything you need to invite the glory. The Bible says that when they got to Nacon's threshing floor, the oxen stumbled. Why? <laughs> because the threshing floor is the place where things are separated. It's the place where Jesus said, I will separate the tares and the wheat. It's the place where his glory begins to show up and all of a sudden people start separating themselves to be used by him again. And it's the place where people that own, the people who just want to click a ticket and the people don't really care nothing about the presence of God. They don't care nothing about living for God. All of a sudden they get separated. What are you trying to tell me? When they got to that threshing floor, things started to get separated. Oh, y'all stay with me. You want to know what the church has been through for two and a half years? Nacon's threshing floor. It has been through a separation. I told you last week there's a difference between division and separation. The devil does division. Jesus brings separation. And there's been a separation in the church so the glory can return back to it. So what's, so what's going on here in the threshing floor? The threshing floor is the place where, where they would beat, they would beat the wheat and all the grain would fall down and then they'd pick up all, all the, all the stems and everything else and the wind would blow it away so that all that is left is the good stuff. It's called shaking. 
So for two and a half years, the body of Christ has been getting tossed up. And the spirit, the wind spirit, the spirit of the wind would blow. And people you thought would stand forever, all of a sudden you can't find them in the house of God no more. Because he knows whose are his. He said, my sheep know my voice and they'll follow me. So it happened at Nagon's threshing floor. And watch this. Y'all stay with me. We, 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 about to, we about to get there. It's not a coincidence that the oxen stumbled at his floor. So when God strikes Uzzah dead, he's speaking to David. He's telling him, I have put, I have put up with this for 20 years now. For 20 years, I've watched as they neglected my presence. For 20 years, I watched as I sent thousands into their church and they wouldn't preach the truth to them. For 20 years, I've watched as I would send the multitudes to their meetings and they would teach something that wasn't true. For 20 years, I've watched as people had opportunity. They had global voices but would not stand up for truth. For 20 years, I watched as people had TV ministries that I gave them. Not me, God. God gave them them voices. But when it came time to stand up, they were silent. And they said nothing. And God said, David, we're going to get the glory back, but we ain't getting it back that way. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm going to allow something to happen that's going to bring a separation so that you're going to understand that this thing is not done by your might. And it's not done by your power, but it's done by the spirit of the living God. And you can't put my glory on a cart. You can't put it on a cart and carry it with two oxen. But I want some people that have been separated and sanctified. And I'm called into this place to be able to carry my glory. And when you do it right, it'll show up. Stay with me now. <sighs> let, let me move on right there. So let me speak to the current time we're in. In the early 2000s, in the early 2000s, a demonic teaching was spread throughout the body of Christ. The demonic teaching, some people call it secret sensitive, whatever. I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to get up on them titles, okay? It was a demonic teaching. How do I know this? I sat in a cohort, brothers and sisters. Personally, I sat in a cohort. I was not a pastor. I was just serving, uh, serve, trying to serve faithfully in the church. A cohort is a, a group of people they put together and they send you to places so you can help uh, learn to grow the church and things like that. And I sat in a cohort, Sister Grace, and this is what, I, this is what they said. They said, listen, our churches, are, our churches are declining. People don't want the old stuff anymore. People don't want that. So you need, you need to stop mentioning blood from the pulpit because it's gory. And it ain't going to get people into your church. They don't, you know, so they, they don't want to hear about something so gory. And you don't need to talk about, you know, it's okay to have crosses, but you don't need to talk about the crucifixion because the crucifixion is gory. 
People don't want that. And, and, and it's okay to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues, but you just need to, you don't need to do it in your worship services. Because if you do it in your worship services, uh, newcomers are going to come in, they're going to get freaked out. And on and on and on. And then when I became the overseer of this ministry in 2009, for years I have watched as this teaching, and not this one only, but many others, have brick by brick begin to destruct and, and bring to nothing houses of worship because of false teaching, because of going after crowds and not after cries. And I watched it. I heard it. I, this is not secondhand. I heard it with my own ears. And you want to know what they were saying, Brother Mike? This is what they were saying. We have found a more convenient way to get the glory. We found a convenient way. Turn your foyer into a living room. Have your services for 65 minutes. And they would say things like this. Anything God's going to do, he can do in 65 minutes. They would tell us that stuff. I heard it with my own ears. He can do it in 65 minutes. This is a more convenient way. And matter of fact, and it just went on and it went on and went on. And, and, and brothers and sisters who truly love the Lord were deceived and they believed there's a new way to get God's glory back. And there's a convenient way to get God's glory back. But can I tell you something, brothers and sisters, there's some things you just don't touch. And you don't touch the moving of the Spirit. And you don't touch the blood of Jesus Christ. And you don't touch the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you don't touch the cross of Jesus Christ and you don't touch the moving of the spirit in the church and you don't touch the gifts of the Holy Ghost and you don't touch healing and you don't touch miracles and you don't touch the supernatural you let God do what he's going to do and his glory will rest on the house they said I found me a convenient way to get his glory back found me a convenient way Brothers and sisters, year by year, people learned how to live without the glory. They learned how to live without the presence of, the, of, of God. They learned how to live without the anointing. I can't tell you the scores of people that have come up to me. Man, I love your church. Oh my goodness, this thing, man. Every time I walk in, I feel God. But I ain't studying sitting there for two and a half hours. They wouldn't say it quite like that. They'd be a little more respectful, but it's just too long. So I found me a convenient way to get His glory. Not realizing that when they reach out and touch it, it'll strike them. Because they're not sanctified and set apart for it. Church, I'm here to tell you. Here we go now. I'm about, to, I'm about to bring it circle. It's been almost 20 years. Every 20 years, there's a move of God. Follow it. Every 20 years, there's a powerful move of God. It's been almost 20 years since this demonic teaching was given. Matter of fact, the man who wrote the cohort curriculum came out 10 years later and said, I was wrong. I repent. We taught people that there was a cross without a crucifixion. Yeah. 
We taught people that there was a savior without a sacrifice. We taught people there was life without dying. He said, I repent. But the problem was the ball's rolling too far now. And everybody wants the glory. But God sent it in my hour and 15 minutes. Everybody wants the glory. But oh, and I don't want, you know, they're speaking in tongue stuff. I don't want it. Everybody wants the glory, but don't let somebody fall out. I got to go. No, I, I'm, you got to understand something. I know this seems like th to this church, you're like, Pastor, why are you, Pastor, why are you even preaching this? We, you know, we agree with this. I'm speaking to a spirit that's in the region right now. And I need you to get on board with it and say, we're going to see the strongholds come down and we're going to see the glory of God be lifted back up so people can be saved and set free again. I'm speaking to a spirit. what I'm doing I'm speaking to a spirit right now a spirit I tell you what brother I feel like what you have is on the Lord go ahead thank you for asking about numbers and less about God and that we needed to reach more people and have more people come in. I've seen that church, the demise of that church. The pastor ended in an adulterous affair. Mm. He had lawsuits against him from people, from women in the church for sexual harassment. There were several marriages ruined in that church, mine being one of them from mm. adultery. I, and I've seen the demise of Christianity itself. And this this... The affiliation of this church was Baptist, but then I began to see it in the Pentecostal church. I began to see it move. I was a part of a church down in Florida that was Pentecostal, and they forbid speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit and service. They, they would allow you to have your prayer group, and those that believed in it, you could do it. This is all. This apostle, this man of God, has brought so much truth and so much revelation to, to this nation that has become an abomination and, and just lifted its skirt in the face of God and said, we don't care anymore. This nation does not desire what this man is bringing. I don't, God, in my spirit right now, I feel God saying, this will be a jewel in the crown of the, of the king, of the Messiah. This will my be God. a standard. These men of God are, have been brought together for such a time as this. And, and if you have never sat under any other leadership that taught anything else, you, you don't realize what we have here. And there is a spirit. There's a spirit fighting this. And I want to stand with this man. I'm going to stand brother. with Come him. Come on. Because this is what Come I've on, hungered brother. for my whole life. Come on, brother. We give God the glory. We give God the glory. We give God the glory. Thank you, dear brother, for that word of exhortation to the house of God. Come on. Somebody shout for the Lord in this house. Come on. Come on, we're going to see the glory of God hit this hat. We're going to see the glory of God hit this land, hit this nation. We're going to see the power of God fall back on people again.
Thank you, brother. I felt that what you, whatever you had to say, I felt it was from the Lord. Y'all, y'all stand up. Church has to sever itself from the house of Saul. Now watch what happens. Y'all give me your attention, then we're about to go. David says, oh, I get it. Saul is mixed all up in this. His ways are mixed all up in this. So this is what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to return back to what you said, and I'm going to return back to your way. And he says, I don't care how long it takes for the Levites to show up and sanctify themselves. Call them. We'll wait. And matter of fact, I don't care how long it takes to walk this thing back to Jerusalem. I know it's going to take a long time. I don't, David says, I don't care how long it takes. We're going to walk it back. And then he says, matter of fact, I, I, I don't care so much that it don't take so, uh, it takes so much time that every six paces, we're going to stop and sacrifice to the Lord. And then he says, and matter of fact, I'm going to dance with everything I got before the Lord because I'm going to show him I'm, I'm real about this thing. And even when I'm going to dance so much that when I get back, they're going to talk junk, but it doesn't matter. They might, they're going to, if they talk junk, they're going to talk junk with the ark coming back into the city. They're going to talk junk with the glory coming back to the church. Says, I don't care how long it takes. Church, for this to happen, there's probably places in your life God's talking about where you have, you've invited in the mistress of convenience. But I definitely talked to the body of Christ as a whole. I was so thankful to hear about one of the churches in Missouri. I read something on them the other day. They've had over 900 people saved in three months. So thankful. But let me tell you what they did. They used to have, a, they used to have about a 70 minutes uh, service, and it was a cattle shoot. See how many can get in, see how many can get out. You know what I mean? The general superintendent told me when he came and preached for me way back in March, I think it was whenever he came to preach, he said, I was talking to the pastor the other day, and he told me, he said, you know what? Uh, pastor, he said, he says, I just decided that, you know what? I don't care how long it takes. We're going to just start waiting on God. Oh, what a good idea. Oh, what a, what a wonderful idea. God started showing up three months, seeing over 900 people born again. What am I trying to tell you? Brothers and sisters, everybody in this place feels the pressure of being connected to the glory. The answer is, I mean, the, the question is this. Are you going to choose God's way? Or are you going to try to put it on a new cart, an oxen, and watch it not happen? I'm so sold out to this thing 
that I realize it's going to cost some things. It has already cost a lot. But it's okay. You want to know why? Because I see people like you and you and you and you and you and you and all over this congregation walk down these aisles every Sunday morning and say, God, forgive me. You don't walk in church after church after church. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about a spirit of a thing. After church after church, and you was able to stay in your sin, and you was able to stay away from God, but you came in here, and all of a sudden you said, God, forgive me. Here I come, Lord. I'm ready to get right. One moment in the glory. One moment in the glory. So that's why. That's why I preach like I preach. And that's why I say things like I say things. Like last week when I said some things. Why? I'm severing the body of Christ from the house of Eli. Cutting it off. That's why I said what I said today. I'm severing the body of Christ from the house of Saul. So that when we get into those city limits, <clears throat> the glory shall fill the earth. As the waters cover the sea. We pray you were blessed by today's message. For more content and to get to know us better, download our app at AbundantLifeChurch.com.